Welcome to the EV Brief podcast, where we talk to experts about the present and future of zero emissions transport in Australia and around the world. Well, good evening and welcome to this EV Brief podcast episode where we'll be discussing EV policy in Australia and uh, specifically levies and charges placed on EV drivers by states and territories. Now, our guest tonight, Chris Vanderstock, is an avid EV driver, YouTuber and renewables enthusiast uh, who also happens to be part of a claim along with fellow Victorian Kathleen Davies against their state government, challenging Victoria's Zero and Low Emissions Vehicle Distance-Based Charge Act. I think I got that right in the High Court of Australia. Uh, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Great. Uh, Thanks very much for having me, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Thank you. Now, look, before we get to to the High Court case, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to drive an electric vehicle in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, I've been interested in electric vehicles for many a year, uh, but more seriously, probably since, I don't know, 2017-ish. Well, whenever actually Tesla put out the Model 3 in a reveal, uh, where they said it was a $35,000 car and um, uh, obviously American dollars. And I appreciate that. Um, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that when I did the sum, I thought to myself, yeah, we can afford this. And, uh, you know, I guesstimated the dollar value in Australia would be something like 60000 ish um, And uh, ever since then, I've you know had a keen interest in electric vehicles. And uh, I eventually went and got one. Um, in December 2020, that was the MGZ SEV, and um, now we've got a Model Y coming soon to the family. Can Can you tell us a little bit about Victoria's uh, Z, uh, sorry, ZLEV Act? But I'm in Australia. Yeah, exactly. I know there's there's one too many acronyms around, isn't there? And it's, it's, uh, it's just, kind uh, of uh, masking what it is, isn't it? By uh, putting it into an acronym. Why Why did Victoria mm-hmm. introduce this, and and why are you challenging its constitutionality? Absolutely. Well, look, Tim Pellis uh, introduced this uh, in the 2020s, I think it was, um, and premised it on the fact that the tax is going to help pay for infrastructure and for electric vehicle uh, incentives and uh, programs and um, is going to help us uh, pay for roads, inverted commas. And uh, he argued that because electric vehicles and plug-in hybrid vehicles um, in part do not pay their fair share of you know um you know fuel excise or tax um they don't uh, the, the victorian government needs to collect it somehow and uh, this lie um deeply ingrained many many years um was perpetuated and unfortunately got through parliament um and was enacted back in july 2021 Mm. And the charge is like 2.5 cents per kilometre for electric vehicles and uh, two, uh, 2 cents per kilometre for plug-in hybrid vehicles. Now, just this last July, it's gone up again, so 2.6 and 2.1 wow. cents respectively. Wow. So that's like a 4% increase, even though we're talking cents here, it's still an increase. Mm. Um, and the, the the premise that um, you know we're not paying for our fair share of roads is absolute garbage um, if you are a taxpayer in any way shape or form you pay for roads if you don't even use uh, or drive a car rather you pay for roads um, we all have taxes that we pay uh, income tax gst stamp duty um, you name it there is a million different taxes in australia and fuel excise just uh, is another taxation revenue stream that the government has um, and that goes to central revenue. And importantly, it's a, it's a federally collected tax 
that's um, uh, distributed to the states. So right, Victoria, so it, it doesn't actually go directly to roads, as Victoria is no. claiming. Is that right? Absolutely correct, yeah. and it hasn't done so since the late nineteen fifties. Yeah, and uh, people believe that oh, it pays for roads in that ditch. And it's like, well, yeah. no, actually, um, there's a bit of a, a very convoluted tax, and there's um, there's aviation in there, there's agriculture, there's other different um, uh, fuel excise mm -hmm. uh, taxes that are, uh, are brought in in terms of revenue. But when we're talking about just a, a vehicle use, uh, ones who actually use roads, mm -hmm. it only generates about $12 billion per year. Mm. And, and it's been declining, billion, right? It has been declining because mm. vehicles are getting more fuel efficient despite mm. the rise in the number of registered vehicles in Australia. And um, that $12 billion that they raise, actually $8 billion of it goes back in the form of fuel credits. And so the sum here is that $4 billion is left for the government to decide how it wants to allocate to the state in any way it wants to. Mm -hmm. And um, per year, we spend more than $66 billion per year on roads. And 90% of that is actually done by council. Mm. So if you, if you pay your rates to your council, you're paying for roads. And uh, so it's been, it's, it's unfortunate that, this tax has been um, introduced and successful here in Victoria so far, because if you ask me, and <laughs> um, it, now is not the time that this tax should be existing. We should be incentivizing people into electric vehicles because of the, the lower running costs, um, the health benefits, um, the equity that provides, and uh, this disincentivizes people. It's actually mm. another barrier because electric vehicles are still pretty much unaffordable for most Australians. The average, you know, uh, small car, or sorry, even a, a standard car that people purchase is in that $25,000, $35,000 bracket. And when your cheapest electric vehicle, like the MGZ SUV, starts at $45,000 upwards, um, and it, you've got this tax that over the lifetime of the vehicle is going to be adding an additional $6,000 for the typical driver. Um, so, and the more miles you do, the worse you are. Um, mm, so mm. again, it's just, it's poor, poor policy, which I can touch on, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, in answer to your question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why it's so bad. Yeah, no, it's a good summary. And I think we've seen in states like the ACT and New South Wales, and I know New South Wales is planning to be in its own, um, distance-based charging in the future, but we've seen the yep. incentives um speak directly to consumers and encourage people to make the switch right now haven't we do you think mm -hmm. that uh it's actually put people off in victoria i know there has been a bit of an incentive in victoria for the first twenty thousand or something cars but do you think yep. this is really going to discourage people from making the move i, I believe so look a yeah. study that the australian institute did back in 2021 mm -hmm. uh based upon South Australia, and um, this was before this tax was both introduced and then <laughs> later abolished by the uh, incoming Liberal government. Um, the, the summary of that survey was that more than six in 10 people actually said having this tax is actually a real uh, turnoff for them and mm. they would not actually like to um, consider getting an electric vehicle because of that um, added cost. Mm, that's very so telling. That, yeah, definitely. And mm. I think, um, you know, when people think about uh, a vehicle, some people do take into consideration running costs. And uh, if we have an edu education problem out there right now, there's a lack of knowledge rather, um, and it can be addressed through education. Um, and if people understood that, well, okay, you've got lower running costs and you've got lower maintenance costs, that's awesome. But the initial barrier to get into an electric vehicle because the, uh, the entry point is so much higher, 
this actually just adds to that again. Yeah. And everyone I know who I've spoken to about, well, you know, for me, uh, 15,000 kilometers per year, it's about $300. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's uh, I'm going to be over and above uh, at the, you know, whatever benefits that I get out of that vehicle. And yep. Uh, yep. yeah, so that's a really real big um, issue. Yeah, well, I want to come back to uh, what possible solutions there might be in the future um, shortly. But um, mm-hmm. with with this charge, how is it administered in Victoria? I gather mm-hmm. it's quite an antiquated uh, system. It, it really is. It really is. And um, when it was introduced, uh, the Victorian government sent out to all electric vehicle and plug-in hybrid vehicle owners asking for a submission of the odometer reading at the time and a photograph to back it up to substantiate it. And uh, then when my rego came due um, in December 30 uh, last year, they uh, 14 days later, weirdly, they actually sent another email out saying, hey, this is um, uh, Vic Roads here and it's time for you to uh, update us with your number of kilometers you've traveled. So you repeat that process again. And in, the, in that, you can actually say, you can claim you've done X number of private kilometers, but uh, two wishes for that is um, um, toll roads which are private roads, uh, are not exempt. You actually still have to pay for your travel on those roads. Mm. Um, if you live in a country town or, uh, sorry, a country property rather, and you've got a long driveway, and this is some of the stories that I've anecdotally heard, mm. um, people have long drives. And yeah. they've tried to claim that literally from the gate to the house is, you know, 600 to uh, meters to almost a kilometer. Yeah, yeah. And um, so do that every day and you've got a significant deduction, which yeah, big growth yeah. actually kind of said, no, we reject that one. And then the final issue here is, is that if you do in any interstate travel, you actually pay that tax back to Victoria. And um, wow. the, and just uh, just like fuel exercise, this money actually goes into central revenue yep. um, and doesn't directly fund roads. It doesn't directly uh, fund mm-hmm. infrastructure for electric vehicles, charges, mm-hmm. whatnot. It's it's just a, it's just another cash grab. And yeah. uh, Tim Pallet Tim Pallet has said as much. Yep. Now everything that you've spoken of kind of speaks to a, a scheme that is really poorly thought through, rushed through Parliament just mm. trying to slap something on uh, on electric vehicle buyers and, and get in before the market transitions. So it, it's mm. certainly a, a, a bold move by you to uh, launch a, a constitutional challenge against the state. But yeah. you had some really positive news in July, didn't you, in that the Commonwealth uh, uh, notified everyone that they were intervening in this claim. Is that right? Presumably they yeah, don't want correct. states uh, willy-nilly imposing charges like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's very true. Yep. So Victoria is a defendant and I'm a mm-hmm. plaintiff. Yep. And um, uh, as a defendant, um, there's other people who can actually put their hand up and say, we intervene on behalf of, and that's to say, we support Victoria. And when they do that, um, they're allowed to enter some, uh, you know, like legal argument and also um, evidence to mm-hmm. support the case. They can also, um, if they wish to, have time in the High Court of Australia to argue why this is actually something that should be supported for the defendant. So, right. And um, so New South Wales was one of the very first states to do that. And this is behind mm. the scenes sort of stuff, but it's actually mm. very publicly accessible if you know where to look. Yep. <laughs> and then very soon, after, very soon after that, we had Queensland, then we had Western Australia, uh, then South Australia, then we had Tasmania. And just in the last few weeks, and some people might not know this, so this mm. is just for you, Jonathan, and the viewers, <laughs> or listeners rather, um, is that the territories, both the Northern Territory 
and the Australian um, Capital Territory have also supported Victoria That's as dependents. Mm. Yes. Mm. So the state so territories have all piled on. They have. And conversely, the Solicitor General um, has actually uh, come in to support us. Mm. And uh, so we're, we're very confident in this case because mm -hmm. there is some um, uh, precedent already being set here back in the mm -hmm. 1990s. Mm -hmm. And that was Harb versus New South Wales. And that was mm -hmm. like a, an omnibus um, piece um, that said that I think it was a tobacco fishing licenses and something else. So it was three different things. Mm -hmm. And the High Court ruled that because these were a consumption tax, these are uh, charges, whatever you want to call it, that New South Wales can't charge that. That uh, power lies with the federal government. Mm. And, you know, um, th that meant there that back in the 1990s that New South Wales mm. couldn't charge you to go fishing and pull one, two, three, four fish out of wherever you are. And um, yeah. uh, so we're also arguing the same way that the kilometers driven is a consumption charge or something that you own. And it's a yep. very technical argument. And mm. the lawyers and the barristers have been toing and froing, um, arguing the definition of what this is. Mm. And whilst there's been some agreement about some things, um, there's been definitely no agreement so far on that particular point <laughs> of the legislative uh, constitution. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the states have all piled on and they're able to submit mm -hmm. um, additional evidence, so presumably the Commonwealth can also uh, present uh, facts in, in this yeah, on your side. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So um, the the benefit, obviously, is that, you know, we've got um, someone in our quarter now fighting for us yes. because, you know, up until just a few weeks ago, it was all of us trying against us at Um <laughs> And uh, so, yes, they could do that. And uh, that's unfortunately uh, lengthened out the process. Um, yes. When we first submitted, we thought to ourselves, okay, there's going to be six to nine months of, you know, legal argument backwards and forwarding, agreeing on terms and uh, uh, consent uh, of orders, that is to say, timetable as to when things happen. And that's been extended a few times. Mm. And now that the federal government's come on board, has been pushed back once again. So I think the next date that everything closes, so to speak, is the end of October. And after that, we hope to get a high court date so that we can actually go and argue this and get it overturned. Yeah, uh, that's very exciting. Well, fingers crossed that the uh, the court has an appetite for uh, looking at this in the same vein as the uh, the precedent case you mentioned. Yeah, exactly <laughs> um, right. The, the ACT decision to, to bed in behind Victoria surprises me because I, you know, I spoke to uh, Attorney General Shane Rattenbury on the podcast previously, and he's obviously very, mm. he's a green, he's very pro-EV and pro-renewables and things. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting that he uh, is uh, sort of betting in behind Victoria to uh, put in these charges that are pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. Mm, absolutely. And I, yeah. look, I just personally, I think that the, they all just would like to be able to tax the way they want to tax. Yeah. And yeah. that's just the, uh, yeah, the argument behind it. But right now we're not even two, maybe 3% of all vehicles in Australia are electric. Now's yeah. not the time. We need yeah. to decarbonize the world and electric vehicles are part of that. And uh, the more green, uh, the grid becomes renewably rich, yeah. um, the cleaner these cars, be, the, these vehicles become. Yeah. And already there's been recent study by Deakin University demonstrating mm. that it's mm. up to even 80% better. Even if you uh, fuel your car from the grid yeah. with yeah. coal, inverted yeah. commas, <laughs> um, yeah. our, our grid's just getting so much better now. It's 30% uh, renewables and yeah. year on year that's going to just improve. I mean, you must hear that argument all the time. I get that, you know, it's, oh, but it's coal powered, so it's just as bad as anything else. You know, it's it's ridiculous because 
EVs are so much more efficient in converting whether it be mm-hmm. coal or renewables into their drivetrain and out through the wheels, let yeah. alone tailpipe emissions. You know, I've, I've, I've got a kid, you've got kids. Um, yeah. Emissions in our communities are one of the most important things that I focus on these days because it's about the mm-hmm. health of the next generation. Absolutely. And it's about our productivity and, and also yeah. our economy, actually, you know, so. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's it. And, you know, the stuff that gets spewed out by petrol, diesel cars is terrible. PM oh. 2.5, NOx, yeah. sulfur. You name it, we've got the worst fuel standards in the world. That's it. And uh, it does damage to your heart, to your lungs, to your brain, intelligence, for goodness Mm. sake. Mm -hmm. uh, We're all dumber because of this lead-based fuel that we all can put up with. Yeah. And um, and you're right. They're very efficient. They're like four to five times more efficient at getting us forwards Mm -hmm. compared to the um, petrol that compresses and bangs and burns. Yeah. yeah, it's just I, I can't understand why we've got uh, Victoria of all the states um, who's also very supportive of going renewables. Like they've pledged mm. more than one point five billion dollars over the next three, four fiscal years right, to re- right. to renewable projects. And this this little money grab on a very small minority of drivers, mm. um, it's just bewildering. Yeah. So what's the solution? I mean, I'd like to see some sort of universal uh, federal costing scheme uh, along mm-hmm. with other measures such as congestion pricing in cities and uh, ultra-low yep. emission zones like in Europe. Um, do mm-hmm. you think that's something that might be forced um, as a result of whatever happens in this case? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that there's there's things they should be doing first, you know, carrot yeah. stick approach. Yeah. And at the moment they should be discouraging people to continue buying heavy, large vehicles mm. um, that are over overly excessive and uh, beyond what it, most people need. Like, mm. do we need the, the what well, in Victoria, we've got a suburb called Turak and yep. there's this favorite, favorite term called, you know, the Turak tractor. And do we Range need Rover such a large... Porsche KM, yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they have very medium to large SUVs that weigh two ton, three ton. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're terribly inefficient and they use a lot of resources and a lot of energy. And... Um, if we talk about, uh, you know, just that there should be, um, you know, uh, if they want to um, put a distance charge in, do it equitably for mm-hmm. everybody, not just to electric vehicle and plug-in hybrid vehicle owners, because let's mm-hmm. face it, plug-in, plug-in hybrid vehicle owners are trying to do the right thing here by mm-hmm. choosing something that's actually, you know, somewhat a ba- battery and yeah. they do burn petrol, but yeah. there's a component that's purely electric. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, if it maybe it's based upon your weight of the vehicle, mm. um, and definitely something that's got the CO two um, disincentive, and this is what we see over in Europe, and that essentially when we get to you know Euro regs, what is it seven or eight, yeah. it's going to be virtually yeah. impossible to buy an internal combustion engine vehicle over there because you spew out any CO two from your tailpipe. Mm. Even across the fleet, which I know this is one way that these car makers try to get around them, yeah, um, it, it's it's just going to be not impossible to buy one over there, yeah. And so that that's why twenty thirty five now there's an effective internal combustion engine ban over there. There's yeah. ways around it, but it's pretty damn hard. Yeah, I know the ACT has followed suit uh, going down that twenty thirty five ban route as well. And I think New Zealand mm. actually has a either a weight or an emissions based scheme, so something like a, mm-hmm. a Ford Ranger, um, you know. 
um, will cost a lot more to register and, and have on the road than than a, yeah. than an EV or a, or a hybrid vehicle. Um, and look, yeah. I get I get that there are people who need vehicles for work, people who live in the country. A lot of people do need bigger vehicles, and there must be a way mm-hmm. to accommodate or offer credits for people who you know have to have a car that big. But what it should do is discourage those people, as you say, in in, in a city, Melbourne and Sydney, from mm-hmm. buying these big vehicles and, and driving them. So mm-hmm. I think a, a holistic, uh, universal um, solution is needed. And I think that includes emission standards, for one. I think it includes, you know, weight and emissions-based um, charges for users. Uh, you know, I live yeah. three kilometres from the city. If I, if I don't need to be driving, I should be paying more. Um, to drive into mm-hmm. the city because I have public transport options. I think someone who lives way out and has to yes. drive more should, mm-hmm. uh, should get some sort of subsidy. Um, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Definitely agreed. And you know, like the the fee based system that New Zealand's introduced, I think is very clever because yes. yeah. for government for government is cost neutral. Yeah. The, the 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 ones helping the other. Yeah. And so if you go by that dirty great big Ford Ranger. Yeah. And, you know, it's gas guzzling 12, 14 litres per 100K. You're, you're going to pay $4,000 plus to the yeah. government. And then guess what? That money then flows through to the electric vehicle purchase. And that's it. It's about um, helping those as well who um, can't quite get into the uh, the segment, isn't it? Those who, you know, may not have the funds to get into an electric vehicle, that money could support mm-hmm. those people in transitioning and ultimately saving money. Uh, yeah. It's almost as if a scheme like, Putting a price on carbon where polluters pay for the polluting that they're doing and uh, mm-hmm. you know, households get compensated for having to pay for energy, that could work, yeah. couldn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's it. And you know, um, part of the conversation here is that um, sometimes we, in comments, because you know, I do make YouTube videos, um, yes. pe- people will say, you know, like it's not fair that you're not paying fuel excise. And the first thing I cite is that, uh, well, you know. Back in the 1990s, about 24% of the population smoked. Mm-hmm. And then they introduced a nicotine tax. Mm-hmm. And since then, the price of excise on uh, nicotine has gone up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And we're now down to about 10% of people smoke. Mm-hmm. Now, my argument to that person is, should you pay the nicotine tax? And most people say, well, I don't smoke, so why should I? And I'm <laughs> like, well, I don't, I don't use petrol, so why should I pay fuel excise? Yeah, it's a very it's a simple, really good analogy. It's a very simple analogy. And at the end of the day, we actually directly give in direct subsidies to fossil fuel companies yes. more than that $4 billion we actually get out of the fuel excise system. You know, just in 21, 22 financial year, $4.5 billion was given to such Crazy. Give the oil, oil refineries open in Australia. Crazy. And it's like... Just imagine if we don't actually support fossil fuel companies. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're a very lucky country. We've got a lot of sun. We've got a lot of wind. We've got a lot of smarts. Mm. And we can be self-sufficient in this space. And mm. our energy to propel us in these cars, which, you know, at the moment, 90% of um, CO2 comes from, you know, internal combustion engine vehicles. Mm. Let's eliminate that. Let's improve the health of the world. Let's make quieter streets and mm. suburbs and um, better places to live and decrease the cost of running for people. Oh, and by the way, let's stop supporting the fo- fossil fuel companies. Yep. So uh, do we need uh, an actual tax to pay for roads? 
No, because you know what? We're all we're already paying for it anyway. Yeah. You know, just yeah. coming back to the thing of you pay GST, you're paying for roads, yeah. income tax, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now I'm no economist, but you know, I would say that the whole point of an excise surely is to actually um, levy a charge on something so that people actually phase out um, using that product, like smoking, yeah. for example. And the whole point of the fuel excise was to actually force um, cleaner technologies, right, to come into Australia and mm. actually reduce uh, the consumption of fuel. So surely over time, you do want to see that actually coming down, which is what's happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. uh, again, here we are in the, um, it just seems every year on year, we're getting uh, vehicles that are just getting bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier. Yeah. And without any uh, emission standards, without any fuel standards, mm. we're unfortunately becoming the dumping ground of, of terribly inefficient vehicles in Australia. Yeah, and we've and, already seen uh, that, haven't we? We're getting a lot of the old yeah. diesels and petrols and things that run on um, crappy fuel uh, that yeah. Europe Europe and California won't uh, register. Exactly right. Yeah. And so it's great that the ACT has actually got this internal combustion engine ban coming in 2035. Yeah. Um, but again, we need a national approach. There's mm -hmm. nothing stopping from an, a, a, a Canberrian from jumping across the border into New South Wales bring the car back and registering it there because there's literally only a $100 transfer fee. Yeah. yeah. Well, fingers crossed that uh, we do get uh, a national stance on this and some sort of cohesive policy to really uh, change things. Um, mm. On a positive note, finally, I just wanted to ask you, I suppose, what what is it that really, is there something that excites you about electrification here and now in 2022? You've been doing this for a few years now and you've been living <laughs> for a few years. What, what changes have you seen this year? What's really got your, uh, got you excited? Yeah, yeah, I reckon definitely the growth of the uh, Chinese made cars like BYD. Mm. Um, it's great to see Nextport, you know, importing these. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd like to see a lot more affordable vehicles with decent range uh, coming to Australia. Um, you know, the SIAG uh, motors, you know, sorry, MG. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, they're great and all, but, you know, like my car only has realistically 200, 230 kilometers of real world range. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's, it's okay. It's fine for commuting and urban and most stuff that we do. Uh, we unfortunately just get in trouble on the weekends. <laughs> we yeah. want to do a lot more kilometers. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's nice to see, uh, battery sizes that are, you know, appropriate for most people around that 400 kilometers sort of range, mm. um, that the going to be uh, hopefully flooding the market there's a lot of interest in the byd um, range and um, i think that uh, we'll be soon seeing people one buy them and then two two to three years time they become the secondhand vehicles and something that's affordable uh, mm. for people who are in that 25 to thirty-five thousand budget and um, then i think it will it will just take off it'll really take off we're seeing, uh, obviously, one too many bus trials for my liking. It's quite ridiculous that, um, you know, someone, some council somewhere says, oh, we're excited, we're going to do another bus trial. <laughs> and you're like, um, okay, you actually have been doing bus trials for electric since the 1970s, I kid you not. That was the very first electric bus yeah. trial that occurred in Australia. Um, so I really want to see massive um, adoption in fleets for government. And uh, also to, to industry to, again, the, the federal government should or the state governments should um, be discouraging people from buying the diesel buses and going electric and uh, taking out all the barriers in place to make that happen. Because, again, these are very expensive vehicles. Mm. Um, we, we've seen over in China and other countries, um, most where they've got masses 
of electric vehicles out there and uh, um, the, and everything from mining. Uh, mining gets it. Yeah. Again, a fossil fuel entity <laughs> gets solar. They install solar. They yep. get wind. Yep. Um, they get electric vehicles. They're putting them into the mines, so they're not actually poisoning the staff down in there. Yeah, we're, we're more than uh, more than two, three, four times behind most other developed countries with electric vehicle adoption. Yeah, and it's kind of with the laughing stock. It's really yeah. Uh, yeah, well, about half the buses through my suburb are now electric. Uh, there's 55 in New South Wales that are BEVs, and it yeah. is it's it's a monumental difference against the diesels that. Uh, a clanging and screaming past people sitting in cafes and things and belching mm-hmm. fumes. And, you know, that, that presence of a, of a quiet electric bus on the street really makes an impact with people. Um, and I think yeah. that, as you say, the electrification of, of transport and commercial vehicles is also mm-hmm. key to this journey and, and cleaning up our communities as well. Well, Chris, look, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Um, We're going to be following uh, this uh, with a lot of interest and with vigor uh, over the months, and we wish you all the best uh, in the remaining steps uh, for this challenge. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Jonathan. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Also in the news this week, Tesla has commenced delivery of Model Ys to Australian customers less than two months after the order books officially opened. It's estimated that there are over 15,000 Model Y orders in Australia and we expect it to surpass the Model 3 in overall sales, becoming the best-selling electric vehicle in Australia by next year. The Australian Capital Territory has extended its EV stamp duty exemption to electric motorcycles and scooters, signalling a complete phase-out of new combustion engine vehicle sales. The Territory recently announced a ban on petrol and diesel sales from 2035 as it looks to reduce transport emissions. BYD has announced it will open a second experience centre in South Sydney at Kirrawee, just as it launched its right-hand drive Atto 3 models in Brisbane's Auto Mall almost simultaneously this week. BYD has just sent its first shipment of 1,000 customer vehicles from China, which are expected to land in owners' hands in Australia from late September. And EV manufacturer Magna has completed the first 55 Fisker Ocean prototypes, which will hit the road for final testing over the next few months, before series production begins in Graz, Austria in late November. Fisker holds over 56,000 reservations for the Ocean SUV, and plans to launch a second compact EV dubbed the Fisker Pair in 2024. Thanks for tuning into this episode. You can follow Chris Vanderstock and his EV Tax High Court Challenge via his links in the description below. Now for more EV news and reviews, or for feedback and comments, head to evbrief.com. I'm Jonathan, and thanks so much for listening to the EV Brief podcast. See you next time.